0: what is up everybody welcome back to Downer break podcast this is episode number 27 I'm here with the DDd the designated driver dean how are we doing
1: what's going on people good to be here yeah, we had a nice little Friday night out in the city, didn't we, Dean? It was just getting too much. It was like getting close to two weeks of us not seeing each other. I was, I was having, I was having emotional difficulties.
0: It was a long period of time, so we had to link. We had to hit the
1: bars. We had to hit the casino. We had to hit the casino. I put on, I put up major, major wagers.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this because. We went with a a party of four. I was the only person to gamble. Now, when you go to the casino, if you win money, the night is, is incredible. It's the best night ever. If you lose, it's the worst night. There's nothing in between. Now, if I lost money and I was the only one that had gambled, I would have been livid. I would have been screaming at you. I would have been like, what was even the point? But I won, so it's fine. So you're off the hook. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook.
1: As far as I can remember, I did not suggest going to the casino. I was the designated driver, right? I mean, I'm just not a—I'm just not the gambling type. I was very happy to see you win money, even though you put on some like pretty ridiculous bets. It was pretty simple, simple stuff—black and red on the roulette table. You didn't even go with evens. I keep telling—I ta- kept telling you to put evens, even, no. evens. No,
0: I'm not even Steven. I'm an oddball. So. We did get to – actually, we didn't even get to see Wimbledon the final together. We were supposed to, but – You were busy. You were busy. But um, we have to start there. Can we start with the men, actually? Can we
1: switch it up and start with the men? Let's start with the men. Uh, can I just say I told you so? No, you can't say that. I told you so. What did you tell me? I remember several times, and I'm like, well, Akras can do it. Akras can do it. And then I called it. I did say Akras in four, and he was five. But I said Akras, and then – Not only you, but other people were texting me, oh, Novak in straights, right? No, not right. Akaraz is the boy. I just didn't.
0: I I was so convinced that Novak would destroy him and make him his son, and
1: that's not what happened. I mean, it kind of looked like that in the first set, and I was really concerned that that's what it's going to be like when Novak broke back in the second set. But Akaraz showed that his mind is certainly older. You know, he's only 20, but his mind is older. Yeah, And he showed maturity as if he's just used to these kinds of matches. And I think, you know, what he didn't have an experience he had in stamina and, and courage. Because to play the way that he does is... I don't know. My arm was tight. Like I was just jumping and screaming and yelling at the TV. And just to think about like me serving like second serves at 120, because mm-hmm. you had to against Novak. He had to. He played with a ton of balls. To continue playing with your gut like that is just, it's just tremendous. And then, you know, in the fifth set when Novak had that break point at 1 oh 0, and then God. he missed that swing forehand. That could have been the match. Yeah, that probably easily. would have been the match. And Akras, you know, he he got lucky there. Novak made a terrible decision with a forehand when he had, like, no legs in him in that point. Clearly, he should have just t- taken it as a volley. But, you know, Akras stuck it out, served it out. You know, once he got the break, there was so much pressure to serve it out, and he just did. You know, going for the drop shots, even though, like... The back-to-back
0: was- back drop shot was crazy.
1: I mean, he he didn't. I wouldn't say that he had an amazing success with the drop shots throughout the match. Novak was ready, I think, for the most part, but then he kept going with it. Eventually, fatigued Djokovic out, and you could tell in the end, Novak was not moving as well in general, but especially to those drop shots.
0: And of course, the commentators saying, "Oh, well, is there something going on with the hip?" They kept replaying all the falls and slips that he had. But I don't want to. I don't want to play into that bullshit. I mean, I think throughout the whole match Alcaraz looked physically better. Novak right. looked not at his top shape, but I'm not going to I'm not going to put that on some injury. I mean, I'm just going to put it on Alcaraz having a
1: stronger match. Not just physically, but I would say mentally as well. I mean, Novak had that one outburst. Fine, I don't care. You broke a racket. I, you know, whatever, eight thousand dollars as if he cares.
0: You were just saying on the last episode how his on court outbursts have been tame and then this happens. Just saying.
1: And but I did say, I did say that they've been better because he's been winning. Yeah. I mean Novak just does not lose, right? So I think now he's like he lost the match, he was losing that match, and I think the true Novak came out. They're like whining, yelling at his box, just the, sar- like,
0: the sarcastic kiss. That was a sarcastic kiss to his boss. Sarcastic
1: kiss. The argument with the umpire. It's, you know, it all came out. And I think that past few years have been very one-sided when Novak's been playing his best. Um, You know, Nadal's been there occasionally when he's been healthy. I mean, last year, had Nadal had an incredible season. But I think overall, especially Wimbledon, they've been very one-sided since Federer retired. And... You know, we, he hasn't really been challenged that much. He, he missed a lot of tournaments because of COVID-related nonsense. But when he did play, he was absolutely unstoppable. I yeah. mean, he had what six losses last year, including like Labor Cup. He it's also did. He, he also
0: like missed a lot of tournament times. So you could say, "Oh, he would have won this, or what? He would have lost this." But yeah, it, it was it was interesting to see him lose interesting to see him mentally i agree he's mentally weaker than we're used to but i I would say like it it was nice i thought his losing speech was kind of nice it was nice to see him cry show some raw emotion you know he's not a
1: robot what do you think about that statement that he had won some matches that he probably should have lost the whole even stevens thing and now he's even steven that's him saying that he should have won that match against akaraz
0: yeah, I I I kind of agree with that. I think you know it's the whole idea of it's all a wash in the end, and obviously it's not a wash. Novak, okay, you've won a shitload of matches. Like it doesn't all even out. But he's he's just saying, yeah, that and he had match. No right winning that match against
1: Roger in nineteen. Yeah,
0: and he he's admitting that. He's saying like there's a lot of random shit that happens in this world, and there's luck involved everywhere. So of course he's saying he should have won that match, and he's he's novak he truly believes he should have won that match that's that's the that's the um mindset of a champion um you think
1: he you think going to sleep he just couldn't get out of his head
0: he probably couldn't sleep for a few days but he'll move on and you know of course i think patty McEnroe was saying oh he's going to use this as fuel to, to for the next i don't know about that couple of years and
1: do you think I, you think you think
0: he hit up uh, Jenny Bouchard? <laughs> the people aren't supposed to know that. But let's—I I, I mean, we could talk about the final for a long time. But last thing I do want to touch on is this idea of like—is it a changing of the guard? Is this Alcaraz bringing in the new wave? Is it—is it Novak being the last one out? And this is all the old heads will talk about. But I think the answer
1: is no. I mean Novak looks incredible. L- Novak yeah. looks like he looks like he's moving just as well as he did years ago. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I if, don't think this new wave, this new wave consists of one player right now.
0: Exactly, you're exactly right. It's one player.
1: You know, if
0: Alcaraz shredded him in straights, then maybe it's a different conversation. And not if, even. if if it's if like Sinner and Rune were like consistently making quarters or semis of majors, then it's a different story, but We're not there yet.
1: You got Novak and Alcaraz, obviously. And then on hard courts, I would put Medvedev in the same group. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you have Sinner and Runa kind of like just like lurking around, waiting to pounce. But they're not quite there. They're just not. Rublev is kind of in that area. Tsitsipas is in that area. But they're not, I would say, in that top league, and you know maybe rude on clay, but not even like that's like that's just not a like, rude is not there.
0: Yeah, tennis tennis is in a weird spot right now. I feel like,
1: and I I what I can see. Do it's you awkward. remember like when when Fed kind of came to the scenes, and yes, there were like like Layton Hewitt was there, and Andy Roddick was there, and Safin was there briefly. And then you had, you know, Nadal coming to, you know, kind of fight for the throne. But for a few years, it was just Fed. So I think that, like, if Novak was to, say, retire in a couple years, we could see a period where Akraz kind of goes not totally unchallenged, Mm -hmm. but, like, when he's, like, when he loses, it's a fluke, you know, when, like, because, like, Hewitt and Roddick did get some wins over Fed, you know, occasionally. But it was not frequent and not really in finals.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, it comes down to if those guys you mentioned can step up and, and get to the Alcaraz level every now and then.
1: I mean, let's talk about center. I mean, center had a really good tournament technically, but then at the same time, he didn't beat anybody amazing. I don't think he beat a seed until the quarters. Yeah, facts.
0: And then he got he got toasted by Novak. Absolutely toasted. Put some butter on that shit.
1: Uh, I mean, he, he he played Galan. No, in the course, he played Safiulan, who's not seeded, who had a great tournament, by the way. Safiulan, like, probably the biggest prize of the, of the event.
0: Besides Eubanks, yeah.
1: Beside- I mean, Eubanks just won a grass court tournament. But yeah, sure, besides Eubanks. Uh, but Sinner, I don't think, played a single seed until Novak.
0: Sinner was impressive but unimpressive at the same time.
1: And then... I- I mean, I love center. I, I really do. And I think on hard courts, he's, he's an absolute force. And he did, had an amazing win against Akaraz in Miami. He's very, like, I, I just don't know what he can do to his game to take it to the next level. To, like, make another jump. He's already hitting it as hard as he can. As yeah, it's, not,
0: it's not pace. It's not power. I feel like it's serve. It's...
1: His volley his volleys just not as graceful like i mean you watch akra's hit hit those volleys and center's uh, not compare, there can't,
0: You can't compare
1: center i don't know we'll see i think Runa probably has a little bit more potential than center
0: I, I i agree i see that he is more uh, of an all-around game
1: i i mean it was i think the other thing is like it would be great to have berrettini back like luigi had an amazing tournament uh for somebody who hadn't really won any matches this year yeah uh, to come and you know he lost to Alcaraz, but it wasn't one-sided. Alcaraz had to work for it. It was four sets. He beat uh Zverev in straights and just you know taking out taking out sonigo after getting crushed by him the week prior. I think I think overall there's there's hope that you know we see some of those players kind of coming back in the mix, and it was exciting to to see that. But ultimately, I think going into the hard court seasons. It's going to be Novak, Akaraz, and Medvedev.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, Medvedev had a pretty strong tournament here uh, on the grass. I, I, I can never make my mind up if I think he's a good grass court player or not, but he just gets into so much trouble in his positioning.
1: Like The, re- the return is unplayable against a player like uh, Akaraz. Like, you can't be that far back on the grass. You can't. Akaraz, I, I mean, when Akaraz is like was not really like challenged. Like when he was serving and volleying, he won something like 80% of his like uh, net points. Like that's, yeah, that's a and and,
0: stat. and like Medvedev will come up with a really nice passing shot every now and then, but it's so few and far between.
1: But the thing is, like, I can see Medvedev improving that. Like I can see Medvedev making changes. He could potentially work on his return to stand closer. He could, I can see also Medvedev working on his volleys and getting better. Uh, but then, then again, I don't know. mevedev is one of the best servers on tour, mm-hmm. and he won something like ten out of thirty-two second serve points against Akaraz. That I mean, that's something that I feel like he could potentially improve because Novak is, you know, he's a great spot server. He doesn't serve as big as Alcaraz as right. Mevdev, potentially bigger second serve. But you know, N- Novak with over fifty percent points won on second serve.
0: Let's get to the American men here. And the obvious headline is Chris Eubanks. And he left the rest of his boys in the dust. I mean, we talked about Fritz being a disappointment last time. Tommy and Tiafo lost in the third round. Eubanks was just captivating the eyes of all of the American viewers here, which was really, really fun to watch because the guy was ripping and he was playing fearless, he had a monster serve, his his, his game fits the grass so perfectly, and he was playing so with such confidence. And it's like, yeah, sure he did win his first tournament. I was still surprised to see him like, it, it looked like he was playing with the total mindset of he belongs here. He, he belongs on the main stage, and he's supposed to be winning these
1: matches. I mean, against Medvedev, he showed no signs of inferiority. I mean, he was just going for it every single opportunity he had just rem- relentlessly aggressive so much respect for him such a joy to watch i think he's such a good sport on the court too mm-hmm. he's really skinny though he needs to like put on some muscle like he yeah looks he, so he should
0: lucky. come to the gym he could he should come to the gym with me
1: yeah you should teach him a thing or two now that, yeah, so big.
0: Now that i'm massive i think it's like one of the biggest things for me looking at you banks is You know, maybe a a non-tennis fan would look at this and say, oh, look at the young. He's a young American coming up. The guy's 27. He's been grinding challengers for his entire career and burst through this year in Miami, I think it was, and has just kind of slowly been gaining confidence and now makes this run getting to the quarters of a slam.
1: It's even more respect for that. Like, he's been putting in that work. He's probably the kind of person that gives a lot of people hope mm-hmm. that they can make it, and then people probably waste a lot of years not making it. But it's people like him, people like Karatsev, who yeah. all of a sudden, it's like one tournament, you get confident, and then you, you just keep that momentum going. Uh, I think both of them are very similar stories in that regard. We'll see if he can keep it up, because Karatsev clearly couldn't. Yeah,
0: I mean, it. it was it's cool to see non, you know, he he brought in like non-tennis fans, non main stage tennis fans to check him out.
1: That's what All American right. tennis needs right now. I agree. All right, let's talk about some, some of the women, some of what was happening there.
0: You know, it's funny because last episode, we're saying who's going to be the unseated star here. And we did not call it. We did we, not call we it. We called, Ken, I called Ken and that was not the case. It ended up being... Marqueta Vondrosova. Look, she was not on my radar. Was she on your radar? No, but the tattoos. oh my God. That's all people were talking about. I feel kind of shitty just saying, oh, the tattoo woman. But like, she was not on my radar. Sure, I mean, she's been to the, fi- she made the final of Roland Garros in 2019.
1: She's had, I think she has
0: two finals under her she, belt. She's had success on tour, but she became the first unseeded woman to ever win Wimbledon, which is crazy to me.
1: She dropped out of the top hundred at one point in her career. Like mm-hmm. I think the, the beginning of the year, I think she started outside of the top hundred.
0: She just cracked the top ten after this.
1: I mean, that's incredible. I mean, she uh, and and correction, she only made one Grand Slam finals. I think she just, has a she's she's she has a bronze medal from the Olympics too. Yeah,
0: I, I did see that. She, I mean, look, she just got hot and cranked out some sick wins. I did you peg her winning the final?
1: No, I thought Jabor for sure. I don't know. I mean, Jabor with such a good tournament.
0: Which was nice to see from her.
1: It was nice see, I mean, she took out uh, Rebankina and Sabalenka back to back. That's like those are two incredible wins. I mean, just such big hitters, such good grass court players. Um and she had a really tough start to the year. I mean, I remember we were talking about her and Casper Rood getting together figuring it out.
0: That's right. I wonder if they did.
1: Well, Casper Ruud made the finals of the French. She made the final of Wimbledon. I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah. And then, that, I mean, for, for me, it was awesome to see Svitolina. Everybody wanted her to win. She's such a sweetheart. I think her and Gammon Fee are such a like power couple. Everybody wanted her to win, but it wasn't meant to be. She took out Iga. And then what happened? She took out Kanin, she took out Iga, and then she lost to Vendrosova.
0: I didn't think Iga would win. Nobody thought Iga would win, right? I kind of thought she would.
1: Oh no, I I picked Rubakina. I picked Rubakina to win. You picked Rubakina, yeah. I mean, I thought Iga would make it further. The thing about Iga is like her game, like really, does not suit the grass.
0: No, it doesn't. Although it's... I saw this great clip of her sliding on the grass. Such an athletic move to slide on grass. I need to learn how to do that. Actually, I'll probably re-tear my ACL. <laughs>
1: I think you're downsliding on grass. Can we talk about the American women? Because they're on my shit list. I mean, Coco lost what? Second round? First round to Kennan. Kennan with a great tournament. And like, that's, I think that's like the only upside to this whole thing. I mean, Madison Keys
0: Keys had the great American run on this one.
1: Well, she made it to the quarters, so so did Pagula. But it's time to break the quarters curse.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. It's a quarters curse.
1: Like, it's time to break it and start like. Breaking semis, breaking finals. I mean I, I saw mean, like, a,
0: I saw a crazy stat on Pagula. I think she's made so many major quarters, but has I think she's like owing oh, a billion in quarters.
1: It's it's just she's just not
0: good enough, I don't think. And that's it. Coco Puff, Madison Keys, Pagula, Kennan, anybody else?
1: We need we need somebody new, or we need Coco to like figure something out because going into the hardcore season, Coco is still still the top American woman. Sloane Stevens, she was okay, right? She we made need, it to the second. She lost the second round. We need, we need some greatness. I mean, American women used to absolutely dominate the tour, dominate. I mean, we had, we had grand slams with four American women. You know, semis, grand Slams semis. I mean, grand slam semis with four, four American women, and now you know it's just dominated by these Europeans.
0: Danielle Collins, she didn't
1: make we it. We need to make America great again.
0: <laughs> need to make America great again. Moving on, um, I wanted to talk about uh, there was a there was a great video on YouTube that I saw that's sponsored by UTS, which is like Universal Tennis Something. They're like trying to put on side events with men's tennis, and they were big during the pandemic, trying to get some fun tennis going. But it was an open table conversation between Tiafo, Ben Shelton, and Chris Eubanks. And it was right before Eubanks went on his run. And it was just like unfiltered, raw, you know, say whatever the hell you want discussion about life and tennis. And it was fascinating because, again, we talked about it last time, like getting the behind the scenes looks into players' lives is really cool. And the fact that they're just kind of swearing and talking about their inspirations, was really fun to, for me. If you're if you're a tennis fan, I just Google it, watch it, watch like five minutes of it. I don't think you're gonna you're going to regret it. But a couple things that I wanted to bring up: Ben Shelton mentioning that tennis players have the most difficult lifestyle of any pro athletes.
1: I think I think that's kind of a hot take. I understand why. I mean, the constant traveling, the living out of you know a different hotel in a different country the the independent nature of the sport mm-hmm. and like the the lack of you know anybody to kind of pick you up when like, like all it takes is a couple bad service games and and you, that's it you're back on the road another tournament another city another country you know there's also can-
0: like such there's no off season you get like a month.
1: There- there's somewhat of an off season, but sure, yeah, it's 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 hard. You have to pit, you have to constantly play tournaments, otherwise you're not getting paid. And there's tournaments you have to play. You know, I think it's hard. I mean, comparing that to like I don't know, playoff hockey. Okay, like well you, what, you
0: just said playoff hockey
1: or hockey or basketball. I mean, you're playing every two get two days. I I I, w- I would still say hockey. I mean, just because it's so physical. I mean, you get so wrecked. hockey every game. and football?
0: Brady took a shot. Michael Bennett levels it. Good hit, 72.
1: Football, you play once a week, though. You don't get as wrecked in, in hockey as you do in but
0: football. But you have a whole offseason to recover your body. In tennis, as you said, if you're not playing, you're not making money. And also, I think the big thing with tennis is if if you're not top 100, you're not making money. If you're not If, if you're like the 100th best basketball player, hockey player, football player you have a minimum contract that you're making it's always at least half a million it's it's so it's so dependent on you having success more i think more than any other sport i'm with you shelton these guys are also shouting out like the pioneers of of african-american tennis like them growing up guys like uh donald young jameer jenkins like guys that like work complete duds on the tour, like when we were watching them, like they'd lose first round of the US Open, but they were just talking about how influential they were. Like if if they weren't around, you know, it would it would have been a completely different story. And it's valid. I mean, Donald Young, there was always so much hype for him, and he was just a bust.
1: Yeah, he was such a bust.
0: He was such a bust. But that was like Atlanta, Georgia tennis. And that's where I believe Chris Eubanks is from also. And Tiafo's from like the DC area. So like that was that was their inspiration. I mean, what about Arthur Ashe? Arthur Ashe, of course, but that's a different generation. Like that it's it's a different sport back then almost. Sangha? Sangha. Not American. I I don't think that was that was the boy for them. Then the, the final story that Tiafo told this crazy story. He's playing against Federer and Benchich. And he was playing with Serena. And Federer was just acing them left, right, left, right. And she gets to the sideline. She's like, I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. Like, how are we losing? Like, I have 23 majors. He only has 20. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and Tiafoe is like, he didn't know what to say. But she was completely serious. Dead serious. Not a smile on her face. She was truly saying, like, I shouldn't be losing. I have one more majors than Roger. And, like, I think that's crazy. That's just crazy. And it made Tiafo be, like, it made Tiafo say, I have an even greater respect for Serena. Because that's her mentality. And she owns it. And even if it's not, you know, probably isn't. Rational.
1: Rational at all. But that's, like, ingrained in her head. I feel like every time I've let myself think, how am I losing a match? I've always lost that match. Like, it's so hard to come back from that line of thinking. Yeah.
0: It is hard. It is hard. It puts you in an absolute deep, deep, deep hole.
1: All right. looking ahead. We got some tournaments. We got Newport. One of the few grass court events left in the year. Uh, Daniel, will you be making it?
0: I was thinking about this week. You know, could could I play hooky tomorrow? I got a job walk tomorrow. I can't miss that. Thursday, I could fake sick and head over there, but I don't think I have anyone to go with. I could go alone. I wouldn't have a bad time. I, I feel like I go every year. It's so nice to go for the day.
1: City Open is where it's at.
0: City Open is where it's at. We will be attending
1: in, what, two weeks? Three weeks? Yeah, we're going to the semifinals. The I'm, worried, semifinals.
0: I'm worried that that's not enough. Maybe we should go to another. Like,
1: should we go? We should go to the U.S. Open.
0: No, I'm saying City Open alone, though. Is one session enough for us?
1: You want to go to the women's in the morning too. We're not having this discussion on the air. We
0: could, I think, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just worried that the first, that only one semifinal, like two matches might not be enough, but we'll see. Is we're just going the two
1: of us or is there a special guest coming? There's a special guest. Should we, she requested that her face remain blue in pictures. <laughs> uh,
0: that was good. That was good. Her face is blue. Uh, I'm really excited for city open again. I, I haven't been, you've been, I've only heard great things about it. The U.S. Open,
1: you're going to go? Uh, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think I'm going to go. I haven't bought any tickets yet, but I'll, I'll I'll. find a way. Have you looked at pricing yet? For the weekend, it's wicked expensive. Yeah, I'm worried about that.
0: All right, let's get some fan mail going. This first question coming in from Benjamin Maffa out of New York City. He says, hi, Diner Break. I really enjoyed the input from Poodles on last week's pod. Way to get the ball rolling. Thanks down a break for responding to those questions that we all ask in our heads but are afraid to put out there. So here it goes. If a podcast channel from Russia arose called Up
1: A Break, what would you do? I wouldn't uh, listen. I would definitely not listen. I would actually probably organize a full on like boycott. You would be able to understand it. I would not. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't even know. Like, would anybody listen to that? Up
0: a break. I mean, it depends how good their marketing is.
1: Up a break. It also doesn't make any sense. You can only be
0: dead. <laughs> You can only be down a break. You can only. You're always. We're always down a break. He also says, "What was the best performance from the Six God during the Drizzy Drake tour last week?" I did, in fact, attend. The best performance. I mean, I'm gonna go with Rich Flex. Or Jimmy Cooks. Jimmy Cooks was so hard. The concert was great. Dean, would you go to a Drake concert if you got no, tickets?
1: No. Even if it's on Game to you for free? Uh, I would go with you. I wouldn't go alone. Yeah. I don't I, even know any – I don't even, like – Do you know I a know single s- Drake song? Yeah, I do, but
0: – Okay, name a Drake song.
1: Um. Wait, what's it called? It's yeah, not tough. a good look for me.
0: <laughs> it's not a good look. All right, moving on. Next question.
1: Oh, one dance. Hotline blank. There you go. Nice. Got him. Next question coming from John George in Cambridge. Can guys and girls just be friends? I don't want to
0: talk about this question. Go to the next one.
1: Carrie. We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. Right. Which has bigger box office opening weekend? Barbie or the open eye
0: this is a great question and it's been a great storyline the whole summer. I'm I mean, conflicted. I'm conflicted. Did you watch Barbie? It's not Oh yeah, they both release on Friday. Oh,
1: I thought it was out. So he's saying which is going to have the bigger box office weekend. Barbie. I, I think it's going to be Barbie. But I have no I'm obsessed with Margot Robbie and I have no interest in watching that movie.
0: You wouldn't go to the theaters and see it on like a date night or something? Absolutely not. I think it's I think it's just more universal. I think it's it's gonna attract like both men and women. It's gonna attract both young and old. It's gonna be a blow up. It's got Gosling. Is gonna,
1: Oppenheimer is gonna be an incredible
0: movie. It is, but I don't think there's enough I, I, I think Oppenheimer is more for the movie buffs. It's a more niche crowd. Like it's more you know, people are obsessed with Nolan, but I think Barbie is just it's gonna be it's gonna be a hit. And I don't I don't know if it's gonna be good, but it's gonna make a shitload of money.
1: Uh I don't know. I've seen I, some
0: uh... I've seen some really funny posts about people planning to watch like, go see both on the same day. Like they watch mm-hmm. Oppenheimer in the morning, then they go for brunch, and then they continue to drink, and then they watch Barbie, and then they just hit the town from there. I think it's a psycho move, but people are gonna do it.
1: Uh, who's smarter tennis or soccer players definitely tennis
0: it i mean are we talking like street smarts like book smarts
1: soccer players are stupid i mean in america i think i think in america soccer players tend to be more intelligent just because of like the college culture like people a lot of people play soccer not to go pro but to go play in college people uh, do that for tennis too yeah, and I think I think that goes a long way for tennis, but I think overall tennis people often come from, you know, families where education is still a big emphasis.
0: But there's a lot of like what about the whole homeschool thing? A lot of tennis players at the top level will get homeschooled and they're dumb as nails. Yeah, but, but I think if you No look offense, no, no offense to any of our listeners.
1: I think I think uh overall tennis players tend to be on the intelligent side. And soccer players, if you look at European soccer, I think a lot of them are dumb as nails.
0: I remember being young and like going to see my doctor, and and um, her saying something about tennis players having reputation for being very stupid, and I didn't know where that came from, but for some reason know? it
1: it's stuck in my head, and I, I it's still in my head. I think tennis players often have like no social skills because they're homeschooled. That doesn't happen with soccer, right? There's no like. No, it's usually like big academies because it's not an in, in, in individual sport. You know, you train in teams. Right. So you're constantly with your team.
0: Okay, let's go with tennis. Smart tennis people are smart. Look at me and you. What's yeah. our IQ combined? Like a thousand? At least a thousand million, hundred billion. Okay, Joe Biden. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed Wimbledon as much as we did. We will hit you guys on the next one. Peace.